0: Hello, and you're very welcome to The Contact Book, the show where we look back at the life and times of our guests with a little bit of help from those who know them best. As we navigate the highs and the lows of their lives, we'll have access to their contact book, and we'll be calling up those who lived with them through those experiences. Awkward and endearing in equal measure, the truth behind the tales will be revealed, embellished, and of course, shared and enjoyed by all. You're very welcome to The Contact Book. So when I think of the greatest all blacks, only one name really comes to mind immediately. Not a McCall or not Carter or not Sonny Bill. No, this fella we're going to speak to is widely regarded as perhaps the greatest all-black of all time. He's the all-blacks all-black in my eyes. He made his debut in 1986, won the first cup for New Zealand, of course, in 87. And, well, the next decade, he accumulated 121 caps, 92 in test matches, and he only missed two games in 10 years. The result of that, well, he kept the now legendary Lions coach, Warren Gatland, on the bench, and he never got a New Zealand cap because of this fella. He is, of course... One of rugby's great fellas, He is Sean Fitzpatrick. Fitzy, how are you? Good to speak to you.
1: How are you, Craig? Good mate. Very, very good to hear your voice again.
0: And, can't believe uh, you're and look,
1: looking forward to this.
0: I can't believe you're letting us at your phone, mate. That's unbelievable. That's usually yeah. tucked well, inside. Well, I a trust pocket. you.
1: You and I, you and I, have done a few things together, and you know we toured New Zealand and the yeah. the, the Lions, and also uh, oh, sorry, what was that? The World Cup was it? No, that was the so Lions. it wasn't. Uh, no, it was yeah, the World it was
0: Cup. World Cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember who won it though.
1: Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's good to good to be here, and uh, you know, especially in these times, it's good to have people like you producing such good content.
0: Well, it's also really everyone's been reflecting during you know lockdown and it's given you a chance just to slow down and reflect on on your mm. life and your career and, and everything you've done and I guess you've probably done a bit of that yourself you must look back fairly fondly at, at all you achieved in your life and all you experienced it's amazing
1: really when you know I've, I've done done a few of these and you know you you connect with people that you you know you don't regularly connect with so I've, I've really enjoyed that um, you know the family time that I've had uh, you know we've been in the same house out here since March basically uh, in lockdown and yeah, it's given a, a time to reflect, and you watch a lot of old games, and you you speak to a, a lot of people, and you know we've had a a few a few people pass away during this time, and it's you know a way to to connect with people you 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 don't normally connect with, and uh, yeah, sure I've looked back and and having having my daughters, and they you know we watched a few games together that we we hadn't watched together before, and you know I'm I'm very proud of. You know, the, you know, the World Cup obviously in 87, you know, 91 was a, a funny year and, you know, 95 was, you know, changed, changed my life forever, I suppose. And then, and then to have such a, a great year in 96, 97 with my old mate, JBH Hart, uh, was a sort of a fitting climax to a, a wonderful career that I never, never, ever dreamt of, really.
0: I'm glad you mentioned John Hart because he's the guy who discovered you. So let's delve in to the contacts on your phone fairly, fairly quickly. Why don't we give... John Hart, a buzz. He because he, he spotted, he found you, didn't you? Do you want? Let's dial him up there. Let's dial up John Hart, and uh, uh, he's in New Zealand at the moment. Is he still in Auckland?
1: He's in Auckland. Yeah, he's probably playing golf. Is he? What's the time now? It's eight thirty or seven thirty. Yeah, yeah, he brought, probably yeah a bit early course. for a tea time.
0: Okay, well, let's find. Will he answer? That's the first question. Chris John well, Hart.
2: my phone or your phone, John Hart. <laughs>
0: John, how are you doing? It's Craig Doyle here. I'm with your old pal Sean Fitzpatrick on The Contact Book. How are you?
2: I'm well. How are you boys? (laughs) Good hearty. Thank you. Thank you for for taking the call. Lovely to hear your eloquent tones. Well, I thought you might be out at Muraway. I'm heading there soon. I'm heading there soon, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> we should explain, you're allowed to live a, a charmed life now, John, because you're such a successful coach in your, in your career, and you obviously coach the All Blacks. We'll talk about that in a moment. But you were coaching um, at Auckland when you spotted a, a young Sean Fitzpatrick. Uh, what was he like when you spotted him back then? How old was he?
2: <laughs> he was a pimply uh, face, um, <laughs> carpenter's <laughs> apprentice, I think, and um, quite arrogant and very confident. But, uh, tell him what you, uh, you tell know, them what you think, Hardy. To speak openly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey, John, I, I can confirm the pimples have gone. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, and, uh, he was a uh, excellent young man, I got to say, and um, took him a little while to find his way in rugby. You know, I think I think the first time we really got to, yeah, the Fitzy was when you came on the our European tour in '84. Yeah, um, the
1: Barbarians. And it, oh, oh, no, it was '83, '84. Yeah. That was the Auckland one. Yeah. I was everything that Hardy said then, I don't know about being a pimply face kid, but I must say that uh, I didn't. I was playing for probably I was playing for university, and and I got taught some bad habits, I suppose Hardy by by our great mate John McDermott and Grant Dixon and Bryce Bevan, Matafa Keenan, and, and all those John and Drakey who got me to to university. But it was just it was it was a time, I suppose, Craig, where I had natural ability, but I I didn't realized that natural ability really and, and hearty was the one that sort of got the best out of me and i always say that hearty to you that you know you you press my buttons it was tough love between you and andy our old mate andy hayden uh, there was a lot of tough love that uh, ultimately was a blessing in disguise going forward. I think Fitzy's admitting to me in an absolute
0: nightmare yeah, when t- he first met you, John. <laughs> Is that what he's
1: admitting to?
2: <laughs> I think it's fair, but I mean, there's a couple of things. I mean, I remember saying to Fitzy, he, he was in the squad, Auckland squad, and I wasn't playing him. And, and I sat him down and I said, I'm not going to play you until you can go three consecutive games for the university and not get penalised <laughs> for uh, over-vigorous play and go away and learn to throw the ball in. Because I remember we'd had a training run with at Auckland and Fitzy had thrown it in crooked Again, and Andy Hayden threw the ball back at him and said, "Go and learn to throw the ball." in so, between us, we actually gave him the message, and he did become probably one of the finest exponents of throwing the ball. I'm not going to say, Craig, we ever quite got on top of the overvigorous play. I'm not sure that. <laughs> that uh... <laughs> um,
0: it's kind of amazing. I think you're 21 years old. That was 1984. To think three years later. You know, you're playing in a Rugby World Cup final. Just give us an idea, both of you, the state. of Because we look at the All Blacks now and it's this amazing sporting brand and it's all kind of very slick and we look at the documentaries and the jersey sales and all that. But pre-World Cup, pre-87, it was a very different story. What, What were they like, guys?
2: You know, in 86 was a very disruptive year in New Zealand rugby. The Cavaliers, um, uh, led by our very good friend Andy Hayden, took off on an unofficial tour to South Africa. Rugby was very split. If you remember coming into 87 World Cup, a lot of the nations actually weren't certain about the World Cup and how it would work and New Zealand really was going through some difficult times but ironically it was the World Cup that united New Zealand again in rugby and um, it was a fantastic event and And Fitzy, you know, remarkably he got his break there because uh, Andy Dalton had been appointed captain and obviously was a hooker and he blew his hamstring trying to beat Fitzy in a run. I think Fitzy was probably <laughs> pushing him to deliver and um, you know, Fitzy became a very integral and dominant part of what became a very good what well, was an outstanding side in 87
1: I think back Hardy and yeah we didn't I think we assembled on the Wednesday before the, the first game against Italy on the, the following Saturday and we, we didn't really yeah. know what to expect Craig and I think it was the first time New Zealand rugby we had uh, the, we had Brian Lahore as the, as the the head coach I suppose Hardy then we had the two best coaches in provincial rugby in New Zealand which which hadn't been done before we had Wiley and Wiley and we had Hardy who were the two most successful coaches of, of that time so we were sort of maybe ahead of our time where you coached the backs hardy and I think Grizz coached the forwards If, if anyone's unsure
0: about how, how unprofessional uh, how amateur the game was back then there's a lovely story about the Irish rugby team when they played Wales in their first game in the 87 World Cup and it came to the National Anthems and they forgot to bring the Irish National Anthem and one of the lads went to his bag <laughs> and all he had was a tape of the Rosa Tralee and, and Wales were crying their <laughs> oh, eyes out yeah. to their anthem the Irish were in the huddle just looking at each other going That's the Rose of Trudy we're playing there. (laughs) There It was just a a different time for rugby, wasn't it, guys?
2: Yeah, and the World Cup really did light up the game, and it was a very special time in New Zealand, and you know, I I can remember that when going to their first game against Italy, and I think the stadium had about 20,000 people in it, you know, and it's a 45,000 stadium, so it hadn't caught on. The final, about six weeks later against France, absolutely packed and and I can remember going to the ground and people all along the walkways cheering the buses that went past it was a you know it was a remarkable turnaround for the game and very important for the game.
0: Fitzy was that the year was that the moment you think the All Blacks started becoming the All Blacks that we know, that we know now do you think?
1: Definitely that team we, you know we had a, had an amazing sort of two or three years after the World Cup but yeah, yeah, Michael Jones made his debut, JK was on fire. And from where as Hardy said, from where we were in eighty six, you know, I remember coming back Hardy from that, that Canterbury game when the Cavaliers left left us in Canterbury and we had to come back and, and face the music at, at Auckland Airport and, and and then going on the tour at the end of the year to France. And a, a lot of that that great all black team sort of through the early eighties, that was uh, their sort of swan song really. You know, Kirky, David Kirk, no one really speaks of Kirky in terms of, of what he did in 86. You know, he led the Baby Blacks and then had a, had a very difficult time during that, you know, Bledisle Cup Series in 86. And and then ultimately, he, he was the, the captain that led the All Blacks to the World Cup final. But in saying that, Andy Dalton, and I always say this, as a young hooker, Andy Dalton uh, could not have done more for me in terms of the way he <laughs> supported me, which was, you know, a real show of his character. I think it's fascinating
0: you won the World Cup in 87 on the Saturday. Tell me what you did on the Monday, Fitzy.
1: <laughs> I think, I think. well, I didn't go back to the building site. I'll have to be honest. Uh,
2: <laughs> oh, the
0: legend. He was the only one that didn't, Craig.
2: They all went back to work on
1: yeah, Monday. Most of, most of them went back to work <laughs> on Monday. But I, I my old mate, Drakey, Drake, I think, took me out for lunch <laughs> on Monday. And he was working for HSBC <laughs> and I think Drake and I and, and probably Steve McDowell when they had lunch. But I was, I was back <laughs> to the building side on Tuesday, Craig.
0: <laughs> well, we give you a day on that. and, 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 and Hardy, I want, I want to get your thoughts on this because we found out recently that after that World Cup, Fitzy became, as described by kind of Laurie Maines as the New Zealand coach at the time, he became a bit fat and lazy. <laughs> a fat and lazy Fitzy, apparently, is what the papers say.
1: <laughs> I, I, like, I like telling that story, Hardy, because it was, it was bloody true, actually. Uh, what happened? That, that, <laughs> I think a lot of us, a lot of us took our position for granted and, and we didn't have a great result in 91 and, you know, we had to go away and learn how to be good All Blacks again. And ultimately, you know, I, I think of our time together in 96, 97, Hardy, if I'd thought that in 91 that we'd actually get to where we got to in 96 as a team, it was pretty special. And I'm, I'm fortunate that I was given the opportunity where a lot of those All Blacks from 91 didn't get the same opportunity that I did.
2: You know, Laurie probably did you quite a service there, really, and... In terms of bringing you back to reality i'm not sure you were fat it's a bit, a bit of a tough, it, was a, it was a
1: bloody <laughs> tough phone call i must say then I, ironically so after the world cup of 91 laurie rings me tells me i'm fat and lazy i'm slow <laughs> i'm arrogant you know lost the respect for the jersey and then in 96 i'm building a house and uh with that in january of 96 not knowing whether i'd want to continue playing rugby or not with that as i'm up on the roof Bloody hearty turns up at the house. The new all black coach in '96 turns up. I want to have a chat with you, Fitzy. Now, do you want to be an all black again? (laughs) Nothing, oh, here we go again. <laughs>
2: uh, but it was a, diff- a different conversation, well, yeah, which I remember, I'm pleased to say. I remember say. that discussion. You were thinking about giving yeah, it away. I was, and I was. Um, you, you didn't yeah. know where you were. And uh, after a '95 World Cup loss, and you know that heart wrenching loss in, in South Africa. But anyhow, thankfully, you did well. You did agree to stay on, and it turned out fantastically. '96, '97. Yeah, well, and '97
1: come- yeah, until you dropped me. <laughs> until, you, <laughs> until you told me I had to retire, <laughs> Hardy. I don't want to retire. No, you no, need Lord. to retire. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't walk all, all
0: round. <laughs> Hardy, it's so so nice to hear from you. Thank you so much. Uh, re- really good to talk to you. And I can confirm the pimples are gone, and he's working on the rest. <laughs> <laughs> nice to talk to you guys. Nice okay, thanks thanks, 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 Hardy.
2: <laughs> Bye. Thanks, Hardy.
0: Oh, it's lovely to hear from all these guys, Fitzy, without the pressure of actually games and, and them not coaching. The reflection's lovely, isn't
1: it? It's nice, isn't it? And, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of uh, things have happened. And and as I said, he was, uh, you know, the man that sort of pressed the, pressed the right buttons.
0: Now, I've pressed the right button there. I wanted to surprise you with this one because I think JK's on the
1: line. John Kerwin, no. how are
3: you? No, no. <laughs> Don't a to press any buttons with those fingers, I'm
1: telling you. Oh, God, I thought I deleted JK out of my
0: book. <laughs> John, I didn't want to tell him we had you on the line, just in case he got a bit worried. Um, of course, you were with him in that World Cup in, in 87, and you played with him for so many years, John. I mean, still, can I just sing your praises, John, for a moment? Because people talk about the late and the brilliant Jonah Lomu, but you played the same number of matches as him, but you only scored two less tries because you're a prolific try scorer yourself, and I think you changed a, a lot of the the way the game was played as well and you look you're the you're the only one i know that looked good in the italian kit when you're the italian coach uh, as well so uh good to have you with us today what was he like back then jk what, what was well Pitsy i only like? i only got dropped <laughs> mate, because
3: Fitzy was bloody living out on my wing
1: <laughs> was he stealing your tries <laughs> Well, that's what I'm saying. If I hadn't been there, oh, J.K., you would, you would have smashed Jonah Lomu's record.
3: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I think, um, you know, I think there's a couple of things that were really, really important for me, and that was Fitzy became captain, and that uh, I was the happiest man that day because that meant that I didn't have to room with him anymore because <laughs> <laughs> the captain gets his own room. So was, it's so ecstatic, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> On a serious note, you know, I think we were talking about how you judge greats and what the criteria is and I think that really it people who come along and change the game and I think you know we all look at Dan Coles and the way he's playing now but it was really Fitzy that changed the game you know him and I joke about it now but he was probably one of the ever first type forwards that would range out wide and I think from a personal point of view uh, worst roommate in the world but you know one of those strong friendships we probably don't see each other enough as we used to but you know we bonded as mates and probably in the under 21s back then when we both didn't think we were going to make it because I was a skinny white kid and he was a fat white kid
1: (laughs) you see I'm getting you can see why I've got a complex Craig about about being, being this fat little kid
0: I thought he always wore black uh, JK because because he was a, a ki- big Kiwi fan. I didn't realise it was to make him look slimmer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
3: Yeah. Um, Have you
0: seen um, his
1: hands
3: and fingers? Oh, I tell you what. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: 10 sausages that's all you see ten anyway sausages. anyway thanks jk it's been, it's been great having you <laughs> i see while, while i have you lads it, it would be remiss of me not to talk about jonah Lomo because you, you, you know fitzy he was your captain at JK and jk you knew well and and the man was 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 unbelievable what, what were your memories of him guys
3: i didn't room with forwards after fitzy because i was traumatized so told the manager <laughs> no more forwards and I'm lying in bed. And back then, you know, we used to stay in motels and hotels, not five-star hotels. And this guy walks in and he's massive. And I said, mate, buffheads down the hall. I don't room with Fords. And he goes, oh, no, nah, mate. Um, he said, oh, no, nah, bro. I didn't know what bro was back then because we used to use mate. And he said, oh, no, nah, bro, I'm, uh, I've am i been told to come to your room. So we go outside. And back then, you remember this, Fitzy, you know, Laurie Maines was bringing in testing. We went out, and he won the 60 metres, the 80 metres, and we're walking back. And the buffets back then used to have a jumping test, so they had those old basketball (laughs) things, you know? And um, I'm walking back, and uh, this guy says to me, Bro, bro, what's that? I said, oh, that's the Buffeds jumping test. You know, Ian Jones and you know Robin Brooke, they jump and see how high they get. And then nine and ten was left. They hadn't got the nine and ten, and he jumped and got the nine and ten. You know. And then we go back into my room, and I, who the hell is this guy? You know. And anyway, he takes off his shirt. And my turtle had rolled over. <laughs> you know, it was just like that. Yeah. And I said, bro, what do you weigh? And he goes, oh, 118 kilos. I said, oh, shit, mate, what's your name? And he said, oh, Olomi." And I said, oh, time to retire, mate, time to retire, you know? He was an amazing person,
1: really, really shy, but just a, a colossus. And we, we'd never really seen anything like that, JK, had we? And, you know, and you talk about him doing the jump test. He had to do the strength test with the Fords, and he, he was the strongest Ford. <laughs> uh, because we had to, we, I can always remember, we used, to, we used to warm up at 100 kilos, Bench pressing 100 kilos and we'd do 20 of those. And, you know, if you, if you got to 20, that was good. Yeah, you know, he, he was doing 25-30 and <laughs> like, you've got to be joking. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, uh, uh, a hugely humble man, um, expressed himself on the field. Such a sad loss to the whole game. Yeah, but he, it really was. And I always say this, J, think- JK. You, you know what you did in the in the early years of you know when you were eighteen, nineteen was phenomenal. But Jonah Lomu in '95 was he was a, a global superstar. He will only be the only global superstar that rugby union has. I just don't think well, anyone could do do what he did.
3: That was so true. And I think that I was talking about it the other day. We don't have a global superstar. And we probably haven't had one since him and we need one. Like when mm. you think about football, you think about Ronaldo or Messi. And Lomu was that. I always remember, mm. seeing a photo of Robin Williams on Jonah's shoulders, you know, and I'm thinking this is exactly what the game needs. The hardest thing for, for me as an elder, it was very difficult seeing such a shy boy from South Auckland where I grew up, having to deal with a lot of the fame and not really mm-hmm. being prepared for it in the early stages and, and it was just hard and I and then I met him a few years later and he'd matured and changed and, you know, it was, it was a really tough time for him, which people probably don't see, but he, oh. he had handled it incredibly well you know considering what he'd achieved and what he was doing and then back in those days it wasn't very pc like you know i remember walking off the field with my mate fitzy there one day and he said to me are you training like shit today jk and i said shut up you fat shit you know but (laughs) later i thought about it and and he was right you know because there was no pc back then you know we'd talk to each other like that was completely wrong we can laugh about it now but, you know, back in those days, there was no filters, and, and Jonah in the early stages had, you know, sort of liver problems, but people put it down to laziness, you know, so there was no, mm, it, it was a pretty low. tough environment at times, 850. A lot of those things yeah. are wrong now, and we can laugh about them, but... Yeah. We laugh about them and talk about them because we want them to change, you know, um, mm. shaming people out. But that was just the era we lived in, you know. And mm. I think that the hardest thing for him was transitioning into fame, but then also the beginning of his illness, which a lot of people put down to laziness.
0: I can confirm, though, that the fat shit is still Fitzy's nickname. We just don't say it to his face. Before you go, before you go, JK, just a quick word on, on Fitzy and, and his career and his his Place in, in not just New Zealand rugby but world rugby.
3: I think one of the greatest. You know, changed the game from a positional point of view. You know, range out wide, had ball skills. I think the greatest thing he did was his captaincy role. A lot of people talk about how you know you've got to have a group of leaders and you know have five or six guys that consult. Well, Fitzy did that from day one. Yeah, J.K. Just just,
1: just before Fitzy. before you go on, J.K. In 1992, Craig. I didn't want to be the all black captain there's literally no one else we had a dictator <laughs> as a coach and and Laurie was and that's what we needed actually was a dictator and I I was so lucky to have you JK and Foxy literally great uh, Grand the Fox, two, yeah. yeah I had the two of you just because like, I didn't know what I was doing literally I used to say to JK please tell me if I'm saying too much if I'm saying too little those days in 92, JK, were, were really changing times in
3: New Zealand rugby. But I think, Fitzy, in all seriousness, when people are made leaders at a young age and what mm. people don't understand and, or they possibly do understand, but in prominence in New Zealand you go, the Prime Minister, uh, the All Black Coach and All Black Captain, right? That's how much. But I think your intuition led you to reach out and ask mm. us, and I was always very honored that you asked, right? But mm. see, for me, that is natural leadership coming out. And while you might look back on it now and go, I needed the help, you understood what you needed to do to lead. And those those were incredible changing times. Like I said, we're doing fitness tests. I mean, this is what we're talking about. Like in, in 1986, I was rooming with Mark Shaw, and we were studying the game, and he said, JK, go down and get me some ice. And I, I thought I was injured. So I went down and got him some ice. And he said, JK, you little shit, that's not enough. Go and get me. So I went down and I got him, like, all this ice. And he chucked it in the bath. And I thought, you know, I've heard about these ice baths. But then I went out, got him another bag of ice, came back, and there was two dozen Steinlager in the ice bath. You know, it wasn't for them. So,
4: So,
3: you know, but then, you know, two years later, we are doing ice baths and we are doing fitness tests. And, you know, I think... 1987, <laughs> we started doing fitness training, so it was, a, it was a really progressive time, it was really a big mm. time of change, and, and you know, you've got to have the ability to continue to change and evolve, and I think mm. that's not easy, especially when you're leading.
0: JK, it's so good talking to you, thank you so much for joining us, lovely to reminisce with you, uh, and take care of yourself. Appreciate
3: it, JK. Us, bye, Thanks, bye,
0: buddy. Bye. 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 <laughs> you hit on your captaincy there, only Kieran Reid and, and Richie McCaw have captained the All Blacks more than you, and they've you know they played more test matches, there weren't as many test matches when you were starting, off. it's a great record to look back on I mean it really is do you it, allow yourself that
1: you know and I look back now at the, the, the lovely age I am now is a bit older and I can reflect on these things you know in terms of the, the two periods of my career the first six years and the second six years you know the first six years we were just young kids has having the time of our lives good at what we did but we didn't think too much about it and being made All Black captain in 92 and after Laurie had told me all those things about being fat lazy and arrogant and lost the respect of the jersey and all those things which was bloody hard to take I must say but it really reignited my my passion for the All Blacks and the jersey but it also made me look at the game differently in terms of the diverse people we have in in the All Blacks you know transcending ages looking at different cultures studying game plans but i think most of all and that's what's what i love about the all blacks now is it made me a better person without question i'm being totally open here without question that responsibility and looking having to look deeper into the game made me a a better person without question you know and, and as as the all blacks say now good people make great all blacks and that's, and that's what we're, we're trying to do in our game is, is create good people, which is really important. And I'm very lucky, as Hardy said. You know, without, without Laurie Main's giving me the hard chat, the tough love, I probably wouldn't have, have gone on and achieved what I did in those, that second part of my career. But you'd probably still have your teeth. That bloody hooker, Steve. <laughs> St- you're talking about Steve Smith, yeah. aren't you? Don't so, don't tell me you got him on the phone. Uh, no, I I haven't got him on the phone, but there's because he's a he is definitely not in my book.
0: I went cycling I went cycling with a friend of his who dines out on this story it's his after dinner story the big old Ireland and Ulster second row Paddy John's right and Paddy John's tells the story about the day Sean Fitzpatrick lost his teeth but it also just shows how a competitive creature you are so I tell you what Paddy has actually sent me the story and I'm going to get his version of the story and then we can get yours so this is the great Irish second row Paddy John's telling the tale of Fitzy's broken teeth now I should point out Paddy is also a dentist, so he's factually on the money. This is Paddy. (laughs) I cannot claim to have knocked Sean Fitzpatrick's teeth out, but I was there when it happened. So it was during the 1992 Ireland v New Zealand second test in Wellington. I remember being on my back close to a rock with my arms pinned and looking up at Fitzy on top of me. And I'm about to be punched square in the face for a retaliation. Out of the blue, our hooker Stevie Smith came to my rescue. And he ended up smashing Fitzy in the face and ran on. Fitzy stopped in his tracks, stood up, spat out what I now know were some tooth fragments and chased after Stevie. So basically, I've been buying Stevie Smith pints ever since. Fitzy, very sorry about the teeth, buddy. That was, that was part of the game. So, yep, sorry about the teeth.
1: <laughs> <laughs> do, you re- do you remember it? I do. I, I remember I was on top of Paddy, right? And we were miles from anything, right? and we we were just sort of scuffling scuffling on the ground and I was actually on top of him and out of the corner of my eye I could see Steve Smith sort of running by and he he changed course (laughs) when when he saw that there was an opportunity to to smack me and he went by, smacked me in the mouth and my bloody, oh God, oh, I took my mouth guard out and then sitting in my mouth guard was half of my two front teeth in my mouth guard and I saw Smithy running off and he ran off to the, it was a scrum and he's, he's looking back out of the corner of his eye thinking there's no way he can get up from this. And I thought, right, bugger you, mate. And <laughs> put my mouth guard back in. And I went over, to the, went over to the scrum. And I could see Smithy looking at me thinking, Jesus, what the bloody hell. And we're just about to pack down. And I said to the referee, I said, excuse me, ref, uh, do you mind stopping the game? And he went, yes, yes. I said, I've, I, just, I took my mouth guard out of my, out of my mouth. And in sitting in the mouth guard was two of my teeth. And I said, do you mind if I call the doctor on to our wives, this is an old wives tale, if you put them in milk in two <laughs> or three hours time when we get the opportunity, we can put them back in. And I can see Steve <laughs> Smith's going, "You are joking me! <laughs> <laughs> You've got to go off <laughs> It's like the Terminator. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I have, I have had, and 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 Steve Smith, I probably deserved what I got, but. Uh, we had a beer after the game. Once I'd come back from having my teeth put back in. Poor old
0: Paddy as well. Paddy is like six foot eight, giant of a fella, but like he's so softly spoken. The thought of you sitting at top and ready to murder him, I don't know. I want to talk about your competitive rightness and I want, I want to talk to someone who, who will really know what it's like, okay, who's been there through the hard times, the good times, you know, when you've really had to lead. Not a, another rugby player though, oh no, that'll be that'll be far too easy. It's time to get one of your daughters on the line, Eva. Oh
1: my God. Yeah, Eva. Eva's on the line, Eva is yeah, on the Eva. line and we're going to give her a call now anyway. She took a while to discover rugby, which is, uh, that's understandable.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, have we got Eva on the phone. Hello. Hi Eva, it's Craig here. Craig Doyle here. I'm, I'm, Hi, I'm,
4: Craig. How are you? How,
0: good. We're giving you a, a chance to expose your dad, Sean, who's on the contact book with, with us now. Hi, darling.
4: Hi, daddy. So,
0: so tell me, what kind, of, what kind of a dad is Sean Fitzpatrick?
4: Oh, That's he's the dope. best dad. I mean, he definitely is the most ridiculously competitive person on the planet. <laughs> like, I wasn't even alive when he was playing, but I think his desire to win definitely did not stay on the rugby pitch and has continued... Throughout like I can't think of a single memory in my whole life where I have been allowed to win something, even as like a small child, in anything I did, whether it was playing Nintendo Wii or like kicking a ball around the garden with dad or we're very into backgammon now. It's always a very bitter fight to the end. I was always, I was actually laughing with my sister about it earlier today. Grace, who is definitely the sporty one out of the two of us, which I've never been allowed to forget, she was uh, <laughs> telling me how, how there was one time where Dad and Grace were having a swimming race in the pool and. His intense desire to win ended up with Grace having a broken nose, being whacked in the face <laughs> by Dad. <laughs> <laughs> so think, uh, oh, oh wow! That was not.
1: That was not a result of that. Was during the race, Eva. That was during the race. <laughs> Our so lanes. Makes- we crossed. We crossed lanes, Craig. I, I, yeah, I, I, I think see, the older. I I can feel child services giving me a call shortly. (laughs) So in your eyes, Sean Fitzpatrick, because it was in the middle of a race, it's okay. (laughs) We crossed lanes. She swam into my lane.
0: (laughs) And no one does that to Sean Fitzpatrick.
4: (laughs) No, not even his little girl's. (laughs) <laughs> I think the older oh, no. I've gotten the more I've realised that he is probably like the child in the relationship he's always now the one oh, no. that wants to be like people yeah. playing with him and like entertaining him <laughs>
0: yeah he's not He's he's not very good at sitting around do, doing nothing
1: is he either? he
0: needs oh, to be my kept god! Busy. No,
4: like all day every day I've never seen someone
1: FOMO. so I get a lot. I get a lot of FOMO
4: <laughs> yeah a lot of FOMO He really is the best dad ever.
1: Oh, that's great. Okay, I think we should leave it there. That's a nice way to sign off. (laughs) More stories about him breaking, breaking family's noses, please.
4: <laughs>
0: um, Eva, you sound so proud of your dad. It's really lovely to hear a daughter speak so fondly and be so proud or, uh, proud of No, dad. I am. Me really and Grace nice
4: always get taken the mick of uh, wanting to spend all our time with our parents because we really do have so much fun with them. Oh, that's a lovely.
1: You Thank you, hear.
0: Eva. Really good talking to you, Eva. Thank you so much for your time. Take care. <laughs> Thank you, Daddy. So nice to talk to you,
5: Greg bye, Love bye. you, bye. Daddy.
4: Bye.
1: Love you too.
4: Bye.
5: bye.
0: I hope my kids say they love me out loud like that in public when I when they're twenty two. That's so sweet.
1: Them yeah, apart. but it's not it's like I never, I never told my father I loved him. That's how stupid it is. I, I love hearing, yeah, you know, even saying I love you and I love you back. You know, that's why not, Sean? Be.
0: Were you, were, were you just? Did you feel you were made of tougher stuff back then? Was it just not a thing that you? No, would
5: have
1: said I just said that was just the thing. way it was. That was just the generation I I grew up in, and you know, I was I was the youngest of four children, and I just, you know, I don't think, you know, we just in those days that just wasn't what we did. And that's why probably now that's what we do all the time. You, you know, we're always talking about we love you, and you know, it's just it's just a different generation, I suppose. But you know, Dad loved us immensely. He just never never said it.
0: How close was he to Ireland, Sean? Where where did the Irish connection um, come from?
1: It Was my grandfather? So it was to his father. His father Jimmy came out in 1920. He was the youngest of about of nine children. And they were just outside Tipperary in a place called Clonmore, just outside Thurless, sorry. And he came out here as a 20-year-old as a and, and worked on the roads for, for two years for the rite of passage and, and never went back. So I, I've never, I've, I must go back to Clonmore. I've had the person that did the parish book there has been in touch with me and told me I have many relatives there, but I've yet to go back, but I must.
0: You know what they did with Obama? If you're lucky, come back, they might name a petrol station after you.
1: That, that's, that's, that's what I like do. petrol stations I do like petrol stations <laughs> I, you I used to work in them as a kid uh,
0: did, did you really? You sounded yeah, like you were yeah. a hard, hard worker as a kid to be fair, between building sites and as you said petrol oh, we stations We always worked,
1: as you know, in, in terms of holidays you know, in our, our generation we, every holiday you were either mowing lawns or working in petrol stations or cleaning cars or you know, just trying to do anything to raise a, raise a bit of money But it was good, um, it was all good fun Sean I want to go I want to, I want to move ahead to 1995 and
0: I know you lost the World Cup and I know it hurt losing the World Cup in '95 in South Africa but the significance of that victory for South Africa with Francois Pina with Nelson mm-hmm. Mandela handing
1: over the trophy
0: the effect that had in South Africa I guess when you reflect on it now you're probably more forgiving to yourself the fact that you lost that game
1: don't tell me you've got Francois have you he was another one I took out of my book <laughs> <laughs>
0: you won't be you, you won't be you won't be surprised to hear Francois Pinot who who was the captain that memorable day, and of course they made that yeah. wonderful movie Evictus about him. Francois is is holidaying at the moment. Uh, he's at his yes. beach house, and yes, he said. I know that. I, 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 and he said to me craig i can only get a single signal when i can go up and talk to the cows which knowing frankie is probably quite often but um he he, he did he did send he did send a lovely message sean uh, uh, which i'd like to wonderful. play to you. this is this is from francois pinard a little earlier today
6: hi craig and fitzy greetings from beautiful cape town uh, this is francois speaking i'm sorry i can't make your podcast i just want to congratulate Fitzy on a fantastic career. He's one of the fiercest competitors that I have played against, incredible captain. Our duels started in the first Super 10 rugby tournament uh, in the final when we played against Auckland. And every time we took to the field, it would be a humdinger. Fitzy, you've had an amazing career, Uh, an amazing gentleman, and I'm pleased uh, that we became friends after rugby because uh, Craig, I tell you what, on the field, there was no friendship, but luckily afterwards, we have become great friends and I admire him for what he's done in rugby and what he's done in business and the person that he is. Cheers, guys. Oh, he's a great isn't man. Isn't he? Yeah.
1: Good old Frankie, a good boy. And everything he said there was exactly true. We were the fierce competitors on the field. I you know the last game Frankie played for for the Springboks was in Cape Town in 96. Uh, which was the last game of the Tri-Nations and he got carried off on the stretcher. I and mean, unfortunately he didn't didn't play a game for South Africa. But I, I loved what he did in ninety five, the way that you know his team united the country along with, with Mandela. And that will always live with me, that that moment that Mandela walked down that tunnel. And and Frankie and I have spoken about that many times and as he said, we've become great mates off the field. And being in, in Japan with him last year and and watching that final, and and him saying that after the, after the result, for him to say this is this is bigger than what '95 produced, having having Sia lifting that trophy, he said, "You just wait till they get back to South Africa and, and what that will do for for the country." And it's just amazing how how sport has united a, a country, which is which is phenomenal.
0: I'm not sure if the last World Cup victory would have happened if it wasn't for 95, though. 95 was such an important stepping stone and a unifying stone, wasn't it, for South Africa? What was it like to be there and watch that unfold and play a part of it?
1: We, we came off a pretty tough 94, so we, we weren't expecting too much. You know, Jonah wasn't going to go to the World Cup because he wasn't fit enough. We didn't know he had a kidney disorder. And, and then it just unfolded for us, really. You know, we were the fittest we'd ever been. Uh, the style of rugby we played, no one else had ever seen that rugby and it was just a we just had a brilliant time we were just based in Johannesburg doing our own own thing uh, went down to Cape Town and, and beat the English and and came back up and I look back always look back at things that we we don't do very well at it, in terms of if we'd done things differently and without question we probably shouldn't have been in Johannesburg we should have moved out to a you know a game reserve or just just take ourselves away from the environment and come back and on the, the Thursday or Friday because it's the intensity, the siege mentality of the South Africans just really got on top of us, I think, without us really knowing it. And then the, the atmosphere in the stadium was just unbelievable. And that's that's why, I, you know, it was one of the greatest days of my life, even though we lost, to be involved in that moment in history and in, in our, our game. You know, it was sad that we didn't win, that we lost an opportunity, but it also was an opportunity where you could see it just united a country unbelievably and that was sport rugby that that did that
0: of course matt, matt damon played francois pinard in the movie invictus who played you
1: uh jack nicholson <laughs>
0: <laughs> i give you that one i give you that one um your connection with South Africa and, uh, you know, the, the problems and, and obviously your charitable work in South Africa, I, I guess, mm. stemmed from, from those days. And most of that now is through the wonderful charity, Laureus Sport for Good Foundation. Yeah. Um, briefly, tell us what, what the charity does, what they're all about.
1: That's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's what sort of motivates me now to, you know, this, the only charitable work I do is is Laureus. And it was set up by, by Johan Rupert, who's a South African, and uh, he wanted to celebrate excellence in sport. It's passed uh, sporting icons, I suppose, and, 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 and uh, there's now 71 of us. Uh, we started 20 years ago and we use sport as a mechanism for change. We now support over 200 projects globally. We've raised over 150 million euros and we support 200 projects in 45 countries globally. So I'm very proud, I'm, I'm the chairman of the academy, um, we've got some amazing people, uh, some of the, the legends of, of sport that, that I'm like a kid in a candy shop, but we all do it for the one reason that we want to use sport as as a way to, to help change the lives of kids that are you know, in a bad place or just unprivileged and, and sport as, as we've seen. And that's why rugby and, and what we did in, in Tokyo last year is just an a amazing mechanism to unite a nation. For one cause, so yeah, we're very proud of what we've done, and uh, and long may that continue. Now, I've, I've looked at the,
0: the, the former sports people involved, but one name stands out, and this guy, I, he is just such a legend. It's Daley Thompson. He's got you know two Olympic golds, two <laughs> Catherine, eighteen eighty four, world champion, the whole lot. You got you got his number right. Please tell yeah. me this is the contact book. Can we can we call Daley Thompson because uh, love I, just, you I,
1: Taylor, I just, I'm actually I'm actually more famous than him. <laughs> I keep on telling him. Every, everywhere we go, we go, do you know this guy? Yes, there, Daley Thompson. I'm like, oh, bugger.
0: <laughs> Let's give Daley Thompson a buzz. i wanted to speak to Daley Thompson all my life. Okay, please answer, Daley. Please answer. Please answer. This man, when it comes to athletics,
1: is just, they'll never have
0: an era of athletics like Daley Thompson's era. Right. No.
1: Hello. So you probably have to go, have to go through as oh, personal assistant. Uh,
0: hello, is that Daily? It hello is. Daily, hi, it's Craig Doyle here in the contact book. I've got Sean Fitzpatrick with me. And uh, we're <laughs> delighted we, we got through to you. We've just been singing your praises daily.
6: Well, well, that's because you're good guys and <laughs> no, excuse <laughs> me, I was not I was not <laughs>
1: singing your praises. I was <laughs> telling them about, I was telling them about your fifteen hundred meter time, how average that is.
6: <laughs> well, I'm not even going to go into what you're like when we go into the gym because that's the kind of gentleman I am.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Daily, do you still go to the gym with Fitzy? Do you, does he is he still as competitive?
6: Uh, yeah, we did, it, we did a session. Extremely we did a with, session. Yeah, we did a session during lockdown. Of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, he's he's been great, honestly. For a really old broken bloke, he is fantastic, Dave. <laughs>
0: Daily, I, I have to, I have to ask. Watching you when I was a kid, you know, uh, certainly in '84, which I just remember so well. Everything about the way you competed and the moustache and yeah, the 1500 meters. I knew it was absolutely killing you, but you got those gold medals. I mean, we look back at those moments. They come on TV now and again, and I still cry. When I see you in action, you must have wonderful memories from those days yourself.
6: Yeah, absolutely. Except, of course, I'm suffering a bit from Alzheimer's. Can't remember a bleeding thing. Barely my name.
0: <laughs> well, you won. You won twice. There you go. How about that? Yeah. Oh, oh
6: that's, that's fantastic. What, I've been Olympic champion? Yeah, oh. you have, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, think, I think I think you're right, Craig. It's it's nice to have done all that stuff. And it does. it It, it gives me a nice warm feeling whenever i get to think about it and you know it's led to some brilliant things and it's one of the reasons i've gotten to spend so much time with sean is just because because of those wins i i now belong with him in a in a with a charity called Laureus, and uh eight or ten times a year i get to to spend time with all my sporting heroes, and, and Sean is one of those. It's amazing when you look at the list. You, of I just
1: make models. sure we, we, we keep that. I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure I have that so I can <laughs> I can play that back to you every time I sort of see you now.
6: <laughs> <laughs>
1: um,
0: it, it takes when you look at the cast list and Laureus Sport, amazing names, so successful. All of you in your own right to be chairman to lead such a group of people is a is a pretty tough job. What what is it about Sean that that enables him to be to be that leader?
6: I think you can only do it through one of two ways. You're either really good at the job or you're really lucky. And I guess Sean's lucky.
1: <laughs> oh, don't you love him? You know, Isn't that beautiful? He would be, You would have been a great New Zealander, Daly. Self-deprecating. Take the piss out of everyone.
6: <laughs> that, and quite, and quite an good at what you, you did oh praise indeed from caesar thank you thank you very much do you know what craig sean has has really uh put the the wind up everybody because we we were fairly content for the last couple of years as a, as an organization and we we just kind of were sitting back a little bit and and sean has has really made us think that we can do more and we should do more and and he's really pushing the organisation. And, you know, in the, in the last couple of years, it's, it's been a revelation as to, to how much energy and time and he's, he's put into the organisation. And, and, and it's really benefited from, from that. And that means that the kids we try and help, they've benefited too. So it has been brilliant.
0: That's, that's so nice to hear because it's such a brilliant charity, some of the work it does. We're going to hear about some of it in a moment. Um, Jodie, before you go, do you still have the moustache?
6: Of course I do. It's a, it's a little grayer now. Actually, it's a lot grayer now.
0: Never let it go, my friend. Never let it go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Daley. So Daly. nice talking to
1: you. Lovely, mate. Thank you. Cheers, Bye. Cheers.
0: That was Daly Thompson, and he actually wow. said my name. That's my new phone ring right there. there. That's, <laughs> wow. I,
1: mate, I'm like you. I'm like you. I Like as we take the mickey out of each other. But he was one of my childhood heroes. What he did in you know eighty-four and absolutely you know amazing. Edwin Moses. He was, you know, just unbelievable. And to, to yes, sit it... in the same room as them is is brilliant. Sean, I want to stay on the on the charity note
0: and I want to finish on a real high. It's about the work that the charity does over in South Africa and and the real effect it has on people and how it affects people's lives. So I'm allowed to call in a joker on the air. Uh, on the contact book, a number that I found myself. And um, I, I want to bring her in because she's an incredible person. She's a great story to tell. And she's a-, a friend of yours, a rather new friend of yours, Bongi and kleko So Bongi uh, is from Soweto. She loves Sean and uh, she has really benefited from the charity. So let's give Bongi a call now over in Soweto. She might be out playing rugby, Sean. You've inspired this woman. To play rugby and to keep playing rugby, which is kind of incredible. She's the most beautiful woman. Hello.
1: Hi, hello, Sean. Hello, Bongi. Wow, this is a real treat. You know, we've had, <laughs> we've, had some, we've had some pretty cool people, but this is the this tops everything, Bongi.
5: Really, I am really very cool. honoured
0: and humbled with this call. Bongi, oh, tell boy. me how you how you know Sean and uh, how he's helped you in your life.
5: I met Sean in, in 2011, if I'm not mistaken, when I was given an opportunity to go and exchange what we do here in Soweto for our community with a school in, in Millfield. And then I met him at the summit, yeah, the Laureus Summit. I was just so touched and motivated by what the Laurier Sports Foundation is doing for community work. And yeah, when I had a conversation with him, I was just so moved and motivated by what they are doing and the way they encourage young people to just get out of their comfort zone and do the absolutely best of themselves. Bongi, tell me what your life was like growing up. I was born and bred in a township called Midlands in Soweto and I was raised by a single mom with two siblings and I was the sole earner for for the family because my mom had a stroke. Following a a difficult childhood that included both hardship and tragedy, rugby has offered me chances and opportunities in life I might um, have imagined possible. And my life for for sports and rugby in in particular is a, a content source of of strength for me
0: lots of people have been on saying lovely things about sean so it's your chance now and i'm interested to know how (laughs) sean helps change your life and 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 lead you down the path you're on now
5: um sean you're such an 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 amazing person and you know looking at you and your rugby career you have touched our lives and i I don't know how to how to thank you Uh, i'm in positions right now because of you don't have to thank us bongi the words that you you keep manifesting in our lives so we have to tell you we you have to know that just by the words you don't you don't even have to the words that you say within us it, it goes a long way i know my boys right now that went to hong kong in yeah, 2010 20. that went they, they, yeah. they it was their first time in a flight but now they are sport coaches, they're personal trainers now because of just that small seed that you've that's planted great, within them.
1: That Bongi, that is a great story, and and Craig, Bongi is is an example of people that have changed our lives. You know, there's 71 academy members now, and people like Bongi don't realise, and what well, I'm sure you do, Bongi, but you are yeah. such an inspiration to us. That is why we do what we do. And you, you say, you're getting emotional, I'm getting emotional, just thinking about you. And when I came to Soweto after that trip, the rugby project from Soweto went to Hong Kong, to a project of ours in Hong Kong at the Sevens called Operation Breakthrough. I can still remember the first time that these these kids turned up from Soweto with, uh, with, with the guys and with Mornay Duplessis was there and... And these kids had never, they'd never been outside Soweto, let, a be, let alone been outside never. South Africa. They didn't have passports, they had to get passports. And within the space of four or five days, the kids from Soweto had sort of grown just immensely. They were training with the New Zealand Sevens teams, were training with the, with the South African Sevens team. They were at the stadium and it changed their lives. And then six months later, Bongi, I came, came back to Soweto, and the difference, as you just said then, the difference in those girls and boys that went to Hong Kong was just phenomenal. And I'm so pleased to hear that they're now turned into trainers, and, and they, they are the leaders. And that is purely through sport.
0: And Bongi, a little birdie tells me that the hacker can now be heard through uh, Soweto. I,
1: <laughs> uh, bangi and i are pretty good she's one of my better students
0: <laughs> tell me more Bungy. tell me more
5: no the, the hacker we've taken the hacker to the next level you know i i, I don't <laughs> think even new zealand can beat our hacker right now and
0: and you now do the hacker before your matches do you yes we do Bungie, it's been lovely talking to you. It really has. Thank you so much for joining us from Soweto. It's really good Thanks, to speak Bungie. to you. Thanks, uh, Yeah, lots of really love. Thank you today. so much. Thank you. Take, Take care. care. Lots really of up, love Bungie. to you. Bye 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 bye. So we started with the hacker back in '87, giving All Blacks rugby a bit of a reboot, and we finish mm. with the hacker in the townships of Soweto, yeah, helping That's people brilliant. restart their lives. It's kind of gone full circle. Sean, it's been lovely reliving all those great days with you and seeing the work you're doing now. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed your Contact Book experience. I really have. I'm sure the listeners will too. Take care of yourself. Thanks very much. Thank you. You've been listening to The Contact Book. The show was produced by Keith Doyle and it's been made by Three Rock Productions for Audi. I hope you've enjoyed it. Please do subscribe. Lots more great interviews. Lots more insight from the, those who know our guests the best coming your way here on The Contact Book. Until we meet you again and talk to you again, take care and bye-bye.